0: Welcome to today's edition of the Bible class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of 1 Peter. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail them to the Bible class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson.
1: Welcome to the Bible class. Today we begin our study in the epistle called 1 Peter. This epistle of Peter portrays Jesus Christ as the precious cornerstone of our faith. Jesus lived the kind of life described in the letter of Peter's, and he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, is what we found in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6. Peter's admonition for us is the same as the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John and of James, that we abide in Christ. In fact, all of the apostles, whether they have written works or not, would tell us that we should abide in Christ, rest quietly in Christ where we are. We who have received Christ as our Savior are in Him, according to Paul's writings in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 3. The secret of walking in this newness of life, as found in Romans 6, 4, that's victorious christian living is to simply remember jesus christ and to rest on the blessed eternal fact of his sufficiency and you can see that in second timothy chapter 2 verse 8 first peter chapter 2 verse 7 admonishes us unto you therefore which believe he is precious Nothing gives evidence of Peter's rock-like character as does this epistle, this first epistle of Peter. The boldness introduced to Peter on the day of Pentecost continues. Although for a time it may have been eclipsed by the brilliant ministry of the Apostle Paul, Peter was an apostle to the Jews as Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles. That doesn't mean that his message was not for the Gentiles or Paul's message was not for the Jews. What it means is that their ministry was to a specific set of people. And so we need to understand that as we read the epistles of each one of those fine um, laborers of Jesus Christ. We... Find Peter writing here in 1st Peter 1 Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus Galatia Cappadocia Asia and Bithynia elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ grace unto you and peace Be multiplied. Now that's not the end of his salutation, that's just the beginning of Peter's salutation. But notice these strangers, those are the ones that are foreigners in the sense that they are in a strange land. They've been scattered. And so he talks about them being uh, sojourners, if you will, traveling through Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia. And here we see in the historical setting that 1 Peter is outside of the background of the book of Acts. It's in that early period between the close of Acts and John's exile on the island of Patmos. This was after Acts had been concluded, or at least those, those activities in the book of Acts had been concluded. The author writes to persecuted Christians. The identification of the persecutions involved is crucial to the historical setting of this letter. There were three periods of persecution that have been suggested by scholars. The first is under Nero at AD 65. The second was under Domitian. These are all rulers of Rome in uh, AD 90 to 95 and then under Trajan early in the 2nd century. Now it can be one or even all three of these. The last two are preferred by those who reject the authorship of Peter. But if Peter is the author, then the only persecution that would be in view are those under Nero. And that would certainly be sufficient considering the persecution that he carried out against the Christians. If we were trying to determine precisely which persecutions are in view, it would be difficult because the uh, comparative records from uh, the time, non-biblical records, are basically in disrepair. There were very few records that survive about Christian persecution. You see, Christians were savagely treated in Rome, And the policy was reflected throughout the empire, and nobody cared. That was the problem. That's why it wasn't written up as history, because it wasn't considered important. These Christians were a small sect. They were unimportant to the Roman government, except for the fact that they were a thorn in their side. So there's nothing in the epistle that uh, prohibits the hypothesis that Peter may have been anticipating an extension of the persecution that he knew to exist in Rome. He might have seen it going throughout the Roman Empire. The persecutions that are mentioned in 1 Peter Peter, are probably not uh, necessarily um, martyrdoms um, that were under uh, Nero. Um, There's much to see. Uh, there under Domitian and Trajan But rather uh, all of the reproaches that fall on Christians because they're considered odious in the eyes of their neighbors That's what is being talked about about the persecutions uh, The defense found in first Peter chapter 3 verse 15 Is understood very well being either a needed Christian testimony or a needed legal defense the fiery trial is mentioned in chapter 4 verse 12 It may indicate some form of burning at the stake, um, and it would be parallel to the Nero persecutions that occurred. Uh, He burned many prisoners, or it might be a metaphorical reference to any trial that has the effect of a refining fire on the life of the believer. So, scholars say they can't uh, give us any indisputable conclusion except for the fact that this epistle refers to persecutions. And certainly, those persecutions of Nero would have been during the lifetime of Peter. As we've already said, there's some that don't believe Peter wrote the book or the letter of First Peter or even Second Peter. And they're in the same camp of those that don't believe that Paul wrote his epistles or that James wrote his epistle. And so we discount their arguments and accept the plain fact that Peter wrote this epistle because he began by writing Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, those who disagree with me say that the language uh, language and polished style of the letter was not that of a fisherman. And uh, the historical situation um, might not be all that it should be to uh, be brought to bear, they say. Then third, the doctrinal affinities with the Pauline epistles, especially with Romans and Ephesians, caused some critics to suggest that First Peter was a fake. And uh, they said that uh, it basically was a fake to try to have people believe the Pauline epistles and the theology that Paul was putting forth. However, those of us who believe the Bible to be the Word of God and to believe the canon of Scripture to be complete in the 66 books of the Old and the New Testament believe that this is indeed written by the Apostle Peter and that his theology confirms the truth of the theology that Apostle Paul put forth in his epistles. In fact, you would expect that if the Holy Spirit of God is at work in in causing human beings to write the epistles and the the books that were written in the Old and the New Testament, that there would be agreement. In fact, that is one of the hallmarks of the, the work of God in what we know as the Bible. So, this epistle then would reflect the confirmation and agreement with the Apostle Paul. And so we expect that those of us who believe the Holy Spirit of God moved upon men of old to have them inspired and to write as the Holy Spirit would have them to do, then we believe that. I certainly believe that. And so we believe that they served the same Lord and they were inspired by the same Holy Spirit and they gave forth the proper theology. And so I would stand today and tell you that Peter is the author of this book that bears his name, this epistle, the first epistle of Peter. Now, as we go through, we're going to have a number of comments concerning this short book. And by the way, all the epistles in the New Testament are short books. Uh, none of them are long books. there are five chapters in First Peter. Uh, and so that we go through them rather quickly. Uh, and sometimes I think that means that we may feel that they're not important. No, it's not a question of the length of the book that makes it important. It's the information, it's the inspiration, it's the encouragement, it's the theology, it's the teaching of the book that makes it important, not the length, of the writing of the book. Now we know that Peter is the Greek form of the Aramaic name Cephas. Cephas means rock, and Peter, or Petra, also means rock. And this name of rock was given to Peter By the Lord Jesus Christ, when he called him to discipleship in John chapter 1, verse 42. Now, Peter is the name by which he's usually designated in the New Testament. The addresses are described as strangers or sojourners in a strange place and scattered. That was a diaspora, just as we talk of the Jewish Scattering, this is what it was. It was the diaspora of the Jews, and these were Jewish believers in Jesus Christ. So the dispersion is the scattering of these sojourners throughout Asia Minor. Pontus, of course, being Asia Minor. Notice that they were not just in one part of Asia Minor, but they were spread out. Uh, in Galatia, Cappadocia, in Asia itself, and in Bithynia. Now when we read there at verse 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied, this salutation rings with affirmation. Those of us who are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father are those who are saved. We are the blood-washed saints. We are the blood-bought elect. We are the followers of Jesus Christ. We are the born-again ones. We are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, and these are the saved the saints the followers of Jesus Christ now this foreknowledge is not just simple advanced knowledge it's god's determination in eternity past to bring a special relationship with individuals to himself whom he foreknew he predestinated and that is what is spent to hear and what is Brought to us uh, in this passage of Scripture. Now, the Spirit sets apart for salvation from destruction those whom God has foreknown. Now, that's important for us to understand. Are you among the elect? You are if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. If you've not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, do so today and become part of that elect. You say, Brother, is it that simple? If the Spirit of God is calling you to Jesus Christ, it is that simple, my friend. You must follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, is here to comfort and to convict. To comfort the believer. To convict the lost. To bring them to a saving knowledge of, of Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross, shedding his blood, that our sin could be forgiven. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. This is the importance of the gospel and the impact of the gospel. And so it was God the Father who initiated our salvation... Through sanctification of the Spirit, the working of the Holy Spirit is important beyond our understanding for us to come to salvation. What we see here, beyond that, is unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. The sprinkling here is an allusion to Exodus chapter 24, verses 1 and following. When you read that, you'll see that the blood was to be sprinkled on the altar as a symbol of the people's obedience, and then was to be sprinkled on the people as a symbol of Jehovah God's acceptance of the sacrifice. All of this is important for us to understand. And then he continues with the salutation, grace, and that is God's riches at Christ's expense, that is the unmerited favor of God Almighty, grace unto you, these who are scattered, and peace be multiplied. Now, if grace is given, it is great grace. It's beyond our understanding. It is wonderful grace. It is amazing grace. And if peace the peace of God which passeth all understanding, is given to us, then it is the peace that comes from God himself and can never be erased from his children. And yet it would be so great a peace that there would be no need for any comfort besides the peace and grace of God Almighty. And here Peter continues, though, and says grace unto you and peace be multiplied. The multiplication of the grace of God, the multiplication of the peace of God goes beyond our earthly understanding. We have enough trouble trying to understand the grace of God or the peace of God, but here we are, not only the recipients as the children of God through faith in Jesus Christ, of the grace of Almighty God and the peace of Almighty God. But these things called grace and peace are then multiplied. They're made manifest multiple times over. Not just once, not just one little portion, but we're giving we're giving—we're it all. We're giving it all beyond measure. That is what Peter is saying as he salutes these who are sojourning in their persecution, these that are scattered, these of the diaspora, these who are set uh, throughout the known world. He goes on in verse 3, and I don't know if we'll get to finish our discussion of verse 3 in this session, but we will pick it up later if we don't. He says this in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which, and we would say in this day and age, who, but that's okay, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively, or we would say a living, hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, From the dead. Use the word blessed for just a moment. Some people characterize blessed or blessed as being happy, but that's not truly what the meaning is. It is to heap honor and joy and adoration when the word blessed or blessed is used here with God himself. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus
0: Christ. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the postal service, Our address is the Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. That's the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve him.